Well, I fooled you, didn't I? Uh, That's it. But isn't it a great tune? I love this tune. Um, and of course, people of a certain age um, know it very, very well. It was incredibly popular in the 60s and 70s. Uh, right across the whole former Soviet Union. Actually, one time I did play it uh, as an encore and someone from the orchestra came backstage to me and he said, you know, I hate that song. He said, because I'm from Romania and, you know, every morning it came on the radio and it reminded me every time that we were being run by the, by this, this communist um, organization and, and I was oppressing my family. And so I, I said, well, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me. I certainly didn't mean any, any, uh, any insult, but um, I still think it's a wonderful tune. And I think now, of course, it's, that's all in the past, so we can just enjoy it for what it is. I'm speaking with Stephen Huff, a wonderful pianist, one of the best in the, on the planet, I think. And he's got a new album out on Hyperion, the Dream Album, which is billed as a collection of miniatures, encores, transcriptions, and other works, including a few by yourself, yes? That's right, yeah. I mean, both uh, transcriptions, like the one you've just heard, and also original compositions. The, uh, I have to ask you, uh, what's the look on the, the orchestra's face when you uh, start with those Rachmaninoff chords? It's bewilderment, surprise, humor. Panic? Uh, they think, what's this? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit of panic, although there's no conductor there normally. So I ah. think we wouldn't get very far <laughs> in that piece without a conductor. So I think they get that it's a joke. Well, and, and your Moscow Nights is, uh, is just beautiful. There's a real improvisatory feel to this album. Well, I think it's a, it's an interesting point, Chris, because I feel very much that's something that, in a way, we've lost. Um, I mean, not just that that pianists used to compose and to improvise a lot until the middle of the 20th century, but this sense that um, so many composers, their inspiration comes out of improvising, whether it's Beethoven or Mozart or Bach even, right through to composers like Liszt and Rachmaninoff. The improvisation and this idea of just creating on the spur of the moment is something that I think we've, we've lost a little bit. Everything is very much planned, and even an interpretation by music that's already been written down, it should sound like it's being created in, in the moment. Well, there's, there certainly is a spontaneous feel to this album. 27 short tracks... Uh, and and very clever too, I, I must say. The, the, the one we just heard is is an example. Uh, but why don't you pick one? Well, why don't we have the Radetzky Waltz? <laughs> this is the <laughs> the first track on the album, and of course, Radetzky March is the most famous march of that whole Austro-Hungarian Empire. It symbolized everything that that was all about. Um, and this I've taken from the very macho outdoors march into the ballroom and made it the Radetzky Waltz. So I've kind of put, taken off the soldier's uniform side of things and, and people are now wearing patent leather shoes and evening dress and crinolines and perfume and pearls dancing around um, the ballroom of old Vienna.
Radetzky Waltz. A nice big finish there, too, by the way. <laughs> the uh, what What's so uh, wonderful about this is everybody knows the Radetzky March. And y- yeah. you've, you've heard it a, a million times on the New Year's concerts. Uh, and to hear it in this, this gentle, tasteful, lovely way is, uh, is really a kick. Oh, thank you. One of the things I really like about the album as well is, is what we just heard in a way where you, you start a track and it sounds vaguely familiar and you're wondering, well, what is that? And then you realize, oh, that's the Radetzky March, but it's not a march. <laughs> Right. And there's there's a couple other tracks that are like that, and uh, and and one that I uh, uh, made me laugh uh, in a in a good way, by the way, is this one. Speaking with a jolly swagman, Stephen Huff, <laughs> uh, and we're listening to his album, The Dream Album, 27 short tracks on the Hyperion label, and, and just uh, a joy to listen to. I mean, you can, you can pick, uh, you, you can put it on shuffle, and every track would be uh, a delight. Oh, thank you. That that Matilda's Rumba originally, of course, Waltzing Matilda, very famous, the unofficial uh, Australian national anthem. And um, I went to Australia a number of years ago and I did a version of it as a waltz because, of course, Waltzing Matilda's in four, and uh, rather strangely, I don't know the, the origin of that title. So I made it Matilda's Waltz. And then returning to Australia a few years after that, I decided to 
give her another dance um, in the style of Dame Edna Everidge, the um, you know the the, the 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 Melbourne housewife, the uh, the, the vulgar, vulgar woman that uh, overdoes all of that, the worst side of what. Uh, people think of as as Australian culture um, with a great tongue in cheek, so yeah. it became Matilda's rumba. Um, so that was fun to do. Actually, when I I wrote this, and um, my my partner said to me, "You can't possibly play that in public. It's far too vulgar." So that was <laughs> vulgar. That was my encouragement to play it because I I think encores. For me, either I want... Well, there are three things, maybe. I want an encore to be exciting and, and kind of dazzling and, and so on. Um, to be humorous, which I think the Radetzky waltz is in a way, and this is in another kind of way. Definitely. Sort of, um, and then to send people home at the end of the evening with something that's very nostalgic and romantic. Um, and I suppose the, the one on here, maybe the most romantic, is the Elgar piece, the Salut d'Amour. It's a piece he wrote for his fiancée. So it's one of the first pieces that was published by Elgar. And it's interesting that after his wife died, he, he wrote almost no more music. So his music was written within the boundaries of his marriage to um, this woman, Alice, who was a kind of muse for him. And uh, I think this is, again, one of the most beautiful melodies that the Salud Amor, originally written for piano, but made more famous in a violin version and then for, for orchestra as well. But I think it works very well as a piano piece, too.
Salute d'Amour by uh, Edward Elgar, uh, an arrangement by Stephen Huff as we're listening to excerpts from uh, his dream album. Stephen joins us from Carnegie Hall in New York City. And uh, there, there was an interesting backstory to one of the tracks. Wow, there's an interesting backstory to all of them, I imagine. But there's a piece by Eric Coates that has a long and distinguished history in, in broadcasting. That's right. It's the theme music for um, Desert Island Discs, which is one of the most popular programs. I think it's been running for, oh, I don't know, um, 60 years on, on Radio 4, um, on, on the BBC. And it's where a celebrity comes in and chooses the eight records that they would take to a desert island if they were stranded there. And it, it enables them to tell uh, their life story as well. So it's a nice thing. And, and this beautiful uh, piece by Eric Coates. Uh, Eric Coates is a, a British composer, uh, maybe a little bit younger than Elgar, but from the same kind of first part of the 20th century. Um, he wrote, uh, he was a great professional, a beautiful orchestrator, wrote a lot of, of wonderful things. I, I really recommend you looking him up. Um, Calling All Workers is a wonderful piece that he wrote as a kind of encouragement during the darkest days of the war for people to keep being cheerful and helping each other along and working hard. And um, it's a bit like one of the Elgar Pompon circumstance marches. It's got a rousing march, and then there's this very beautiful sentimental tune in the middle. So uh, Eric Coates, I would very much um, suggest people take a look into.
By the Sleepy Lagoon. Did you know that was the title of that piece? By the Sleepy Lagoon by Eric Coates. Uh, Eventually, yeah, I, I did. And, and it's interesting because um, nobody really knows where the Sleepy Lagoon is. Of course, it does suggest a desert island from that point of view. But I played this piece once in in Taiwan, and someone there said, oh, well, that's a Chinese song. Um, and it is actually very close to a Chinese song. So I had this idea that maybe this uh, it was a, an island in that part of the world where um, I was going to be marooned. And quite frankly, I love it out there. Put me as long as I have enough to eat. I'm. I, I think I'd be quite happy on that desert island. <laughs> My guest is Stephen Huff. He's got a great new album out called The Dream Album. I would highly recommend it. Uh, and I'm, I'm very grateful to you for uh, making the time to talk to us today from Carnegie Hall. And uh, one last question here: uh, What are you working on? What's next? Well, a couple of, of creative things. I, I'm finishing a piece um, that the recent winner of the Naumburg competition commissioned me to write for his New York recital debut next year, also in Carnegie Hall, actually. Um, so I'm writing that piece at the moment, and I'm working on a second book. I just published my novel a few months ago called The Final Retreat, and I'm now working on a book of essays on music and other things, and that will be coming out next um, August, I believe. So... Those are two things that are on my desk at the moment. Yeah, and no grass growing under your feet. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Huff, uh, Renaissance man and brilliant pianist, thank you so much. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks.